As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. Today is Memorial Day. What is Memorial Day? Why do we have Memorial Day? It's not Veterans Day. And we, as Americans, must understand the difference. Memorial Day is here to remember those that have given their lives for this country. Veterans Day is to celebrate all veterans, whether they are passed on or here today. What I'd like to do today is tell my story that I've had to deal with for years in the military, outside the military. In 1982, I joined the Marine Corps. And I went to Fort Knox, Kentucky to be trained as a Marine Corps tanker an individual that is a crew member of a tank. And everybody knows what a military tank is. And it's very powerful. And it can do some serious damage. So I learned the skill that the military put me into, which I didn't want to go in the first place, but I did. While I was in this training, and I formed bonds with other members of this training, friends, fellow Marines, that 
we became close. And what happened was, towards the end of training, we had about a week of what we call administration, where we're getting ready to process ourselves out of training to go to our main units. And we were told by the organization, by the gunny, that eventually the orders will come down and then he will distribute those orders, which determines where you're going to go as a Marine tanker. Now, I grew up in Louisiana, and there's only three places at the time frame or bases that you can go to as a Marine tanker. You can go to Camp Lejeune, North Carolina. You can go to 29 Palms, California. Or you can go to Camp Pendleton, California. Those were the three choices. And because I grew up in Louisiana, I wanted to go to Camp Lejeune. Because it was more like the environment that I grew up in. I didn't want to go to California. So the week before we graduated, or before we got our orders, I was a private first class, and I was in charge of what is called the working party. These are military guys that come together that do something outside of their normal MOS. And I was in charge of a group of people to work with the base library at Fort Knox, Kentucky, while we were being administratively sent to our new units. So what happened on this particular day is around 4 o'clock in the afternoon, I sent the majority of those Marines back to the barracks, back to the living quarters, and I stayed to finish up with the librarian to make sure everything was taken care of. And I got back to the barracks or the administrative area, if you want to say that, about an hour later. As I approached the barracks and started talking to my buddies, everyone was talking about where they're going, what duty station they have, and where they're going to serve as a Marine tanker. Talking about Lejeune, 29 Palms, Camp Pendleton. Remember, I wanted to go to Camp Lejeune. And I started talking to these Marines, and they said, well, you need to go see the gunny so you can get your orders. And I did. I went to the gunny, and he told me that you have three choices. You can go to 29 Palms, or you can go to 29 Palms, or you can go to 29 Palms. So in other words, all the spots were filled in Camp Lejeune, and I could not go to Camp Lejeune. So I ended up going to 29 Palms. 
make a long story short, in September of 1983, my tank unit was selected to replace the tank unit that was in Beirut, Lebanon. So we were preparing to deploy, preparing to go and replace that unit in Beirut, Lebanon. And we were instructed that by the end of October, we would be in Beirut. And then the bomb happened. October 23rd, 1983. And our unit was stood down, said, nope, we're not going to Beirut because of the bombing. And, of course, the administration decided to pull out of Beirut after that incident. But what makes this story important to me is I had five close friends that I went through training together Marines that we were close to understood each other. That because they went to Camp Lejeune and went to Beirut, they died in that bombing. Which tells me if I did not go on that working party, send the Marines back to the barracks, more than likely, I would have got my wish to go to Camp Lejeune. And more than likely, I would have died in that building. This is what we are as military people. We understand this. We understand that we can be put in harm's way at any moment and lose our lives. And that's a fact. It took me many years. Matter of fact, I think it was 2018, maybe 2019, before I went to the memorial of Beirut. And I found those five buddies' names on a wall in a memorial at Camp Lejeune, North Carolina. And it could have been me. And I know that. I know these people personally that have died for this country. And that could have been me. Fortunately, it was not. And I was able to continue my career in the Marine Corps I did 20 years. I went to Somalia. I went to different places. But I never had to do what is called the ultimate sacrifice to save your buddies in combat. But I understand it. I understand how a military member can do acts 
to save your friends, your buddies, in a combat situation. We're going to take a break. When we get back, we're going to talk about the Medal of Honor, why it is issued, and what it takes to actually earn the Medal of Honor. So, do not go away. We will be right back.
Welcome back, Patriots. This is the Gunny, and today we are remembering those that have died for our country. However, there has been many people in the military that have done extraordinary acts to save other military members from dying. And we also need to remember those people. There has been over 3,500 Medal of Honors that have been issued in this country. And these are the individuals that have gone far beyond what is required of them in combat situations. So the requirement, what do you have to do to earn the Medal of Honor? Well, the Medal of Honor is authorized for any military service member who distinguish them themselves conspicuously by gallantry and integrity at the risk of his or her life above the call of duty. There's been millions, millions of people that have lost their lives in the military. And this is what Memorial Day is about. But we also have to consider during this time frame of those individuals that risk their lives to save others in the military so they would not die. And this is the requirements to get the Medal of Honor. While engaged in an action against an enemy of the United States. Number two, while engaged in military operations involving conflicts with an opposing foreign force, while serving with friendly foreign forces engaged in an armed conflict against an opposing armed forces in which the United States is not part of that party. But here's the weird part. When I say weird is, you see, Congress and the president has to act to present this medal to these great heroes. And we're going to shift a little bit here. And rightfully so. This administration that we have today is all about politics. By federal statute, recommendations for the medal must be submitted within three years of the Valor Act 
and the medal must be presented within five years. Any submissions outside of this time frame require an act of Congress. So, if that's the statute, then why is this administration and the one previous to this did not award the Medal of Honor in that time frame to, at that time, Staff Sergeant Earl D. Plumley. Plumley was deserving of it. And he is the only living person today that has the Medal of Honor beside those that were in Vietnam. No other person on this planet, Iraqi war, Afghanistan war, has been awarded this Medal of Honor. But what is strange about it is when this administration decided to award Medal of Honors for political purposes, they said <laughs> that this person was dead and he was standing right next to Biden when it was presented. So listen to this. Listen to how this person was presented the Medal of Honor for what he did in Afghanistan. We heard a loud explosion. Uh, initially we thought that the, uh, the building we were in had been um, hit directly by uh, um, indirect fires. Uh, enemy insurgents detonated a, what was later determined to be a 20,000-pound vehicle-borne IED at the perimeter, creating a 60-foot-wide hole in our fence. Also around that time, we started hearing um, a large amount of small arms pick up from, from different sides of the camp. And at that point, uh, I ran and um, put my equipment on and grabbed my rifle. Within less than 30 seconds of the V-bid being detonated, Earl jumped into a vehicle with two other individuals and raced to the scene uh, essentially to provide any kind of aid, security, first aid. They had placed the vehicle between two other special operators as cover. So Earl, being in the back seat, jumped out of the vehicle, exited it. His rifle got caught on the door. The individual still attempting to engage them. You know, I, you know, I figured that they probably had us. Um, so the only thing I could think to do was um, uh, pull my pistol and, and close the distance and uh, um, maybe get a few of them and, and give uh, Nate and Drew time to uh, figure something else out. Uh, I don't know how I didn't get hit. <coughs> uh, rounds um, came through the, the door and window and hit um, uh, Nate and hit uh, Drew Busick. Uh, I, I just got lucky, I guess. Well, I knew that if we, uh, if we didn't uh, uh, eliminate them as rapidly as possible. It was just going to, it was going to be a mess if they started running all the way through the camp. Um, 
and, and, uh, and what we understand about their plan, it would have, it have been a, uh, a nightmare scenario. You know, having a, a fairly significant amount of hero worship for the recipients before me to, to um, kind of join their ranks is, is overwhelming and completely humbling. To me, I'll, I'll be um, kind of honoring um, every member of, of the Special Forces Regiment. Um, I think it's an uncommon award for, for uh, Green Braves to uh, be able to earn be, uh, just by the, the, the nature of, the, of who we work with and where we work. Um, if you do something heroic with the uh, Afghan local police, uh, nobody ever hears about it. Uh, and I know, you know countless stories um, from, from all my peers and uh, to, to be able to have that medal um, for all those guys, I think, is, uh, is what it uh, makes me most proud. This Army veteran deserves the medal of honor that was presented to him. Many, many millions of Americans have died for this country. And believe me, there's a lot more than 3,500 Medal of Honor recipients that should have got that medal. We know that, we understand that, but we know how difficult it is to get the respect and honor of a soldier, airman, marine, sailor, coast guard person that has done above and beyond the call of duty. And this is a great example. And he is the first, the very first Medal of Honor recipient that's still alive from Iraq and Afghanistan. And this administration is using this, using him as a political tool. Unfortunately, what is sad about it and how this administration is so bad, he was introduced during that ceremony as being dead, posthumously awarded the Medal of Honor, and he's standing right next to the President of the United States. This is where we're at, folks. It's sad. It's absolutely insane what is going on in our government. So I'm going to play you a very short clip of this Staff Sergeant, now Master Sergeant, but Staff Sergeant, being introduced, his Congressional Medal of Honor document is being read while he's standing there next to the President of the United States. Attention orders. The President of the United States of America, authorized by Act of Congress, March 3rd, 1863, has possibly awarded in the name of Congress the Medal of Honor to Staff Sergeant Earl D. Plumley, United States Army. Now, mind you, 
that during this ceremony, there was three people presented with the Medal of Honor, of which two of them are dead, but the third one's not. But yet, this is the screw-up that this administration did, saying that this staff sergeant is posthumously presented the Medal of Honor. Absolutely not. He's standing there next to the president. This is the corruption, the absolute, unbelievable, from a patriot standpoint, from a military standpoint, an administration that gets everything wrong. Now, I'm glad and we're proud that this master sergeant is now part of the Medal of Honor community. But he's alive and he's there. But yet, the administration screwed it up in presenting the medal to him and to his family. Don't care how you slice it. The bottom line is this is bull crap. This is what America has become from a political, administrative situation. They don't care about you. If they did, they would make sure that when he was introduced, that he's not dead. And that is detrimental for veterans to listen to this crap. I want you to share the podcast. Please share it far and wide. Social media, tell your friends about the Patriot cause. I present you the evidence so you don't have to. That's why you listen to the Patriot cause. I do the research so you can just listen. Give us 20, 30 minutes of your time and you're going to learn more than you will ever learn in any, any Main Street media or on social media, the memes and everything is going on. Because we have to have this discussion and the only way to do it is through your voice. You cannot do this online. And what I'm seeing is a travesty online, especially for the military. This is the Gunny Out. Stand up for the flag and let's all Liberty Bell The 
Just make a Ford and a Chevy It'll still last ten years like the show Best of the free life is still yet to come. The good times ain't over for good.